All right, to return now to uh, the Zohar concerning forgetfulness and and memory. Knows what's what is the dynamic process that goes on, which is revealed in this little section of Genesis. And the Zohar continues. In other words, when we suddenly forget something that happened, we we experienced something, and then we try to remember names, places, dates, or whatever. Suddenly, there's a blank. Does it mean that it doesn't exist? It's been wiped out like in a computer. We know that in in uh, spirituality or anything of a metaphysical nature, never disappears. Never. Once it's been recorded on a metaphysical level, and what is information that's registered in the mind, it's certainly not physical. You write it down on a piece of paper, a piece of paper can be destroyed, while the letters won't be destroyed, and the, and the energy of, uh, that is contained in those letters, but still we'd have no access to where we can refer back to something that no longer uh, uh, exists. But in the mind, there is no such thing. The proof of which is that at a later date, we suddenly remember the information. So something happened that there was a period of a lapse of what is known as a lapse of memory. Why, why does that occur? Now, this has been investigated and, and over and over investigated, and still there is no conclusion as to why and what happened that causes shikha, forgetfulness. Because there is an energy intelligence, says the Zohar, called shikha. It is not like forgetfulness is the aspect of or the absence of remembering. That's one way to interpret it, right? In other words, when you haven't got that information, we call that for, you forgot. You forgot. Does it mean the information is not there? No, in fact, we have to assume that the information is not there. Is there? It's present. Then why don't we remember? Says the Zohar, because Shikha is a force. What is the energy intelligence of that force that creates a condition and a situation where suddenly we don't remember? Hamakom shahayabo shikha kam kinegdo. And it says, in verse 23 of chapter 40, it says, the Sarah Mashkim did not remember Joseph, and he forgot him. And the Zohar raises the question, it says that he didn't remember. The wine steward did not remember Joseph interpreting the dream and telling him that he would again be restored as, far as Pharaoh's chief wine steward. If you don't remember, you forget. Isn't it a repetition of the same idea? Okay? What? In other words, there is something deeply hidden within this coded verse that is not obvious. 
But that is the question that the Zohar raises. Umei shiv. Vayashkecheu mora alamakom shiyesh bo shikcha. Vezehu shenikra ketz shel tzadachoshech. In other words, the Torah is revealing us the secret of what is called forgetting and what is called remembering. What is memory and what is lapse of memory. That there is a part of that darkness that can blank out, can create an illusion, so to speak, create an illusion like you get a blank screen, right? The computer doesn't want to give out the information. It's in the hard disk, and you get a blank screen, right? What kind of a screen do you get? A white screen? Or do you get a dark screen? In fact, the words make the white. The screen is dark. By and within its own nature, it's dark. So he says, the Zohar, that this aspect of forgetting is not the fact that the memory is not working. No, there is a force called Choshech. And it's referred to as Ketz. Ketz means end. What does end indicate? Wherever it says the word Miketz, like in the second word of this portion of the week, it says Vahi Miketz. And it was at the end, the end of the two years, of the days, which we still do not understand, Two years doesn't mean days. It could mean 700 and, or 820 or 30 days. But two years means two years, which should be sufficient. So the Zohar says there is a force which is known by its code name Ketz, which is known by its code name Ketz, that causes, that causes this force, this remembering, this energy force, this storage, this bank of memory to become for the moment an illusionary blank. How do we know that, says the Zohar? Because it says, The wine steward did not remember. It doesn't mean he didn't remember. The force of Zechira, the force, the energy force of remembering was not there. Do you know why it wasn't there? Because a force called shikah, forgetfulness, a force that is a dark part of the dark force that creates an illusion as if it's not there. This is what happens when we want to tie a package and we're looking for the string, right? And we don't see the string. We look all over the house for the string. And where is the string? Right next to the package. How is that possible? What? Oh, sometimes it's even in your... Yes, yes, that's true. Sometimes it's even in your hand. How does that happen? Are we stupid? Certainly not. I mean, we won't even admit to that. So what other answer can we give? That suddenly comes an aspect of force. It's an illusionary. It's a temporary force. But nevertheless, an active force in the world of illusion. Therefore... Certain magicians can make things disappear. Now we know the things didn't move. Certainly he couldn't have moved the 747 Boeing jet in front of 10,000 people and make it appear as if it disappeared. And everyone could have sworn that it did disappear from their very eyes. 10,000 people. This happened recently. Or the Statue of Liberty disappeared before the eyes of people. 
what that magician is doing, what he, he, what he doesn't know or doesn't realize what he was actually doing, he thinks he was doing something else. But what he was, what that, something else that he attributes, this creation of an illusion for 10,000 people, is that he has the force and the knowledge and the know-how to activate that realm of shikah, that force of shikah, which is in each and every single one of us, to activate it at that moment, and we see blank, as if nothing exists. It's the force called illusion, a force that is governed by kets, which means end. What does end mean? It is not infinite. End means finite. That's why in its coded form, this week's portion is known as kits. It is known as end. What do you mean end? That all of that, that it was taking place here was in the realm of the illusion. And that was the mistake that Joseph had. Now someone might ask, didn't, wouldn't Joseph know if, if he was, if this was illusion or not? How could he have made the mistake. Someone raised this question afterwards. He's still a chariot. And does that mean he was governed by the illusion? It's impossible. We just answered that once he had passed over the hurdle of the incident with the wife of Potiphar, he emerged and arose to another level of consciousness called Yesod. In that level of consciousness, there is no aspect of illusion. So how could he have made that mistake? The answer is, he didn't make a mistake. Because again, we are falling into that trap that he was two years too early, right? Because didn't it work out that he was taken out anyway? So don't think for a moment that he was suffering those two years extra because he was disappointed in the lapse of memory of the wine steward. The answer is don't fall back into the trap. If we have established that Joseph was a chariot, that Joseph was not maintaining his life, but that life was maintaining him. So he was already out of the dungeon, out of the jail, before he got into the jail. What he was doing is watching the movie of Joseph, the physical one, going through these periods of ups and downs. But the real Joseph, the real Joseph, meaning the one who was sitting and watching the movie, because he knew this was part of the cosmic structure. The Jew ultimately says the Zohar, was destined to go down into Egypt for his incarnation tikkun. He was the same Jew that was in the generation of the deluge, the flood. He was the same Jew that was in the Tower of Babel incident and still didn't learn his lesson. And therefore, he returned now. He returned again to go through an incarnation period of cleansing in Egypt. Joseph knew all this. For him, it was all over with. But he knew that for the illusionary realm, there was a purpose. 
For whom was it a purpose? For him? No. It was a purpose that the illusion was that Joseph was in Egypt and there would be a hunger and that hunger would bring all of the peoples of the world, all of the peoples of the world into Egypt, including the Jew. Because the Jew then would become the slave and go through all that he had to go through. Joseph knew this from the beginning. What he was concerned with was, is that part of the show over with? He assumed that when he saw the three, he assumed that the Joseph who's in jail, he's watching the movie as it goes by. Ah, it's the end of the film. Joseph now is being taken out, you know. Uh, Joseph 1, there's Joseph 2, there's Joseph 3, different movies that come out, right? He thought Joseph 1 was finished. Joseph 1 ends with his coming out of a prison. Okay. No. He forgot there was another edition. There was Joseph 2 yet. After this incident, there had to be a Joseph 2 with two more years. What's that? Everybody was in on this. Everybody was in on this. They're all watching the movie. Can you imagine how thrilling it is to see to see your movie going across the screen and you're not even affected by it? Oh, a great feeling. It's a great feeling. <laughs> Try to experience it sometimes. But just a minute before, I was in a lot of pain. You said go up. Go out. All right. So it does work. In any event... The Sarah Mashkim didn't remember, meaning because there was this aspect of shikha, this illusion, not that he didn't want to remember, was he really a bad person? Do we have to think that he was like, in Pashat Zachor, do you remember when God says twice to the Jew, remember, remember, al tishkach, do not forget. And the Zohar raises the question, you see, but there, it's totally true. There, the Jew doesn't need forces to make him forget. He loves to forget good that's done for him, like the Exodus Jew. And he loves to remember those people who have always harmed him. The nature of the Jew. Therefore, the Zohar says, the Jew was reminded twice, Zachor, Zachor, Altishkach. And still, with all of this prodding, he still forgets, right? That's what happens in the, in, 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 uh, in the, with the wine steward, that was not the case. Here we are learning simply that the movie, the movie, the movie of remembering, meaning the manifestation of Joseph now coming out and emerging from this prison didn't arrive yet. Why didn't it arrive yet? Why didn't he remind? What would have, you know, why didn't he remember what Joseph had done for him? Because the force of forgetfulness, the force that, that, that is floating here and around us all day and all night, prevented the wine steward from revealing this dream that he had, that David interpreted, because it would have meant out. It would have meant that he could now go out because Pharaoh would be impressed and the illusion would be condensed in time. Not for, the peri- not for that realm of the physical reality. The show must be played out. Therefore, 
It's not a question of, of repeating. It's telling us, says the Zohar, why didn't he remember? Because there is a force called Shikha. There is an illusionary force known as Ketz that prevents that prevents us at different times from remembering or accessing into a computer that we could not or would not make mistakes. And when we raised another question about Yamim, that, that indicates to us already the whole idea. Says the Zohar. You remember we asked? It says, Vahimi Ketchina time. And let's see how they translated it into English. And it came to pass, uh, I'm sorry, no. In Miketz, chapter 41, the first verse. And it came to pass at the end of two full years, a corruption. Where is the translation of the word Yamim? Yamim means days. Vahimi a time means, and it came to pass at the end of two years. But where is the word Yamim? Totally overlooked. Why is it overlooked? Because it makes no sense. There's no reason for the Torah to inject the word Yamim. But again, if we can treat the Torah as a cosmic code, Vahimi Ketzinatayim Yamim, or it should say, Vahimi that would have been sufficient. If all the verse meant to uh, indicate here is two years. So the Zohar, again, extracts from this word Yamim another secret that we can use in our daily life. And that is... When you have a tziruf shalem shel tikkun, meaning, as we discussed in the two magen davids, remember the upper triad and the lower triad, if in the process, if in the process of anything that we do, both in the actual, the lower triad, and both in the potential, if we constantly inject the force of Zechira, which means the central column, then we are assured, then we are assured, in other words, Yamim, there has to be the central column of the upper triad and the central column of the lower triad. How do we have that kind of situation? Again, briefly stated, the upper triad, to give an example so it's fully understood, Suddenly, a thought comes in to open up a new business or to uh, build a building, which is far simpler. To build a building, that was the first idea. This would be a good idea. An idea comes to me. Now, the idea has to become manifest in my mind. To build a building, it can be any type of building, any infinite numbers of ideas concerning a building. So then what do I do? I then say no. An apartment building, an office building, a store, or other types, or whatever, combinations. But now I have localized, I have now made, I have reduced the idea. Remember, in every reduction there's a price. Because the idea could have contained 
What kind of building? And that's the force of the Lord. The idea is great. All ideas are great, incidentally. But not all ideas become great. Where, where has it been lost? Because the moment the idea of building a building becomes uh, actualized, even in the mind, I have already placed a limitation. Because if I've said, I'll, I'll, I'll build an apartment building, or if I say I'm going to build uh, an office building, I am already removing from that realm, that all-inclusive realm called building, I have now limited the original idea of building a building. I have created and injected what? Limitation. I have taken it out of the realm of idea, of building a building, and now have concentrated it on one kind of a building. The moment my mind has done that, I have reduced the idea with all of its potency, with all of its power. I have now subjected it to a small, infinite role. What's that? To a finite idea, where this could have been infinite, now it's finite. Now maybe I should have chosen at the end, I'll find out, right? Which was the right idea? If I lose... If it goes busted, it was a bad idea. Wrong. If I make it, it was a good idea. Wrong. The idea never changed. It included everything. So what makes a good idea a bad idea? When you inject, says the Zohar, that central column idea, when you say, all in the mind, all in the mind, why am I putting up that building? Is it for me alone? I would not do it. But, by virtue of putting up this building, <coughs> in addition to my benefit, there is also an, a benefit for others. That's the reason I'm going to do it. That is called the central column energy force. When you inject that kind of energy <coughs> excuse me, into any idea, there is never failure at this point. At this point. What's that? Okay. All right, you get it. It's good. Okay. You have also Arab. Okay. He was Spirat Yesod. Right. So we we have learned that Yom Yom is also a Spirat. That is what the Zohar is going to say. So you have two Spirat. He's going to say. That's how you reach Tiferet. The two Spirat are going to be Tiferet and and Yesod. The two forces that make things become reality. Oh, he, that's exactly what he answered. What? No, no, you saw it and you know, no, 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 you saw it. And, no, you saw it and uh, no. Okay, now we've we've taken the actual. All right. So now that I've injected that central column energy force in my mind, I have not contained the idea. I have actually broadened the idea that it now will become manifested correctly. Because I injected the idea into this idea that it is not for me alone. Now we're, we have completed the thinking energy, the thinking consciousness that must go into every single idea of our life. If you want to ensure success, and I mean success meaning it is worthwhile not only in terms of money, but in terms of no aggravation. You know, you can make money and then 
pay for it in hell. But we're talking now of a total inclusiveness of what is good for us. Not limiting it to one aspect or another. But the totality of beneficence that comes when you connect with the force. Haraf, could you do it for something that is already in progress? In other words, an idea that has been planted, seeded. You know what we learn in Kabbalah? It's easier to make an, uh, 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 an operation on the seed than on the tree. It's a lot easier. It's a lot easier to do genetic engineering than when the child has already been born with a mal- with a ab- abnormal or an abnormality or a deformity. A lot easier. Whether things can be changed, Kabbalah deals with that too. But what we're dealing now with is getting to the before things become manifest in the wrong way. Because once he's made a decision to build this kind of a building, and he did not inject that, that central column energy, then, it, then however it turns out, even though it may turn out in his very uh, uh, minute, finite mind that this was a success, it may have brought who knows what else in the way of liabilities. We are discussing how we can have an overall, an all-inclusive, an all-inclusive beneficence out of whatever idea we have in which we want to make it manifest. So we have now all of this established in the mind. But that is not going to produce a building, the fact that I have established it in my mind. The next step will be to take that idea and make it actual. The first step, first procedure in making something actual would be to take the uh, take an architect and now put it down on paper. And now it becomes actualized where in my mind it's, I have a, a total visualization of what I want to build, but nobody else can build that building because in my mind I, I see the building even with my description. And so I describe that Entire visual perception to an architect, now he puts it down on paper. And now it's ready to go. Then, then, that paper, that paper could mean anything. But then we begin to localize it. Because the paper that this building is on could be on 47th Street. It could be on 57th Street. It could be in any number of places. Again, even in this aspect of the drawing boards, remember that it is infinite insofar as once it's going to become localized in a certain area. Maybe a good building was placed in the wrong location. It's a possibility. Now, how do you know? Now we're talking about the actualization. How do you know that you can be certain that it's going to work out? Because if you go to the wrong location, it may not be rented. An infinite amount of problems can arise by that decision of placing it now in a particular area. Comes along now the second restriction that must be injected. The second restriction, which makes the actual become actual, and that is Yusod. There's another restriction you go through. You say, now that, the, now that I'm going to put up this building, this pl- these plans of a building in this location, and it's going to be do this, that, and the other. But why? Why is it? Is it just for me? Or I will share with others, maybe the proceeds, maybe even the form of staka, or I shall 
uh, locate uh, uh, an institution or whatever. But within this concept, there is not me alone. Then you have ject- injected now another stage of, re- of restriction referred to by the code name of Yesod. And when these two, the first one of restriction, which is Tefedet, and the second one, which is Yesod, become manifested, these two become manifested, then success is there. Then you emerge from any, any problems that you think might have arisen. You have ensured, you have ensured the removal of any of this uncertainty, this illusionary doubts that could arise. Therefore, says the Zohar, it's not talking about years. It's not even talking about years. He's telling you that when these two emerge, the two triads emerge with their two central columns, then there is no question that he, the time has come for success. The time has come that he will leave the prison. Because the second aspect has been merged. And then we have the story of Pharaoh, how he was removed from the prison and so forth and so on. So, uh, the two, the, the two, the two Yemim, uh, what are they? Svirot. Yeah, no, 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 the Svirot. That's right. Tiferet, which deals, Tiferet is a central column of the upper triad, right? Chesigvur and Tiferet. And then Nesachot, Yusod. Yusod is the second one. That's when he would become into play. He thought that he had already come into play before. But it wasn't, it wasn't there yet. The cosmos did not come together yet to create the situation. In other words, Jacob is watching the film and he saw, saw, uh, he saw a three column. He saw three great clusters of grapes. Three clusters of grapes he assumed was the actual triad, the lower triad. If it's the lower triad, now he's ready for manifestation. Now the purpose of him coming to Egypt is going to become revealed. What is, what is the revelation? That he would become king, he would be able to tra- uh, translate and interpret Pharaoh's dream, there would be abundance and everybody, and the Jews would finally and wa- ultimately wind up as slaves in Egypt. That was the purpose of him emerging from prison to become the king, second to the king. And then he would be instrumental in having Jacob, all of the sons and the family, come into Egypt. When is the time for the that cosmic event to take place? Because as I said before, we think we're in control. We think we make manifest destiny. No. We can only make manifest cassettes. Which one we can choose? Yes. But once we have chosen a particular program, there is nothing, almost nothing. I won't say nothing. There is almost nothing that the average individual can do to alter that cassette in midstream. The only time we can change from one program to another, from a better program to an even better one, is only by virtue of the Magin David, by this process of the two restrictions. That Joseph would emerge from the prison, he knew he would emerge. But there was a cosmic time schedule. When would that happen? It had nothing to do with anybody. 
nothing to do with him. If he was doing what he had to do, it was going to happen. There is only one thing that all of us can ever do in our lives, is restriction. That is the only aspect of free will, is restriction. All of the other aspects, we think that we're uh, motivating, we think we're uh, running things all around us, we're running the environment, we control the environment. From a Kabbalistic point of view, the only aspect that you can include as a point of free will is the aspect of restriction. At that point of restriction, at that point of restriction, you can then say, ah, I've changed my cassette. But once you have changed your cassette, your program, whatever that program is, you have no say over it. It moves you. It, it's like for a tzaddik, he's, he's very happy with it. He's maintained on a beautiful cassette. Who wants to, get, who wants to change things? He's being maintained. For others, they are being maintained in the illusionary physical reality, which is the ups and downs. The only way to remove oneself from that reality is by moving into an upper realm. When these two sfirot come into play. We began with, with uh, raising the question. Oh, now there was one other question, which now is, 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 you know, seems to have disappeared. And that was, the Zohar says, and Rashi says that too, Yosef Haya Etzeb Batsvut Ruach Batsvat Lev. Mahmat Shahaya Asur Shama. He was depressed until the time when it says, Vaidiseu. They removed him, they brought him out from the dungeon. The depression, depression that comes to people is actually a result of being moved down into the world of illusion in the illusionary reality world. So depressed, the consequence of being thrust into a physical illusionary reality world brings depression. But depression is, is not buying within itself a cause. It is rather an effect. It is rather an effect. We bring on that depression by removing ourselves, once you remove yourselves from that reality level, that reality level of consciousness, which we have to battle each day with with our tefillot, with the meditations that we with, that we have learned through Kabbalah, it's to at least keep us, you know, our, our head a little above water. See, because below water is the physical illusionary world where nobody sees anything. Completely overwhelmed, completely surrounded by what we think are insurmountable conditions and positions. Now here it says that he was depressed. And we ask, could Joseph be depressed? It's a contradiction. He is a tzaddik. He is in that realm that he never becomes depressed. Right? And Yaakov was depressed. It's a form of Zion uh, Pin, being diluted to a point of no air, which is depressed. It's, it's reaching a point, uh, a, a very tiny point of, of light. 
depressed, a point of almost before impact. Uh, Asvut, now Asvut comes, actually we discussed that in the morning. I'm not sure, no, we can discuss that on the Shabbat. Where the, what, what is the word Etzev, what does the word Etzev mean? What? No? That mean nerve? Yeah. Means a nerve. How does nerve, I mean, if you know a little Hebrew, how does nerve come to being depressed? The word is atzvut, depressed. What does that have to do with, with nerve? I cannot say someone is nervous. Someone who's nervous is not necessarily depressed, neither is someone who is depressed necessarily nervous. On the contrary. What's that? That's right. Okay. Of the central nervous system. It's more closely, de- in other words, again, atzvut. We have taken the word atzvut, depression, as it is commonly used, as the cause, rather than it's the result of what? When there is an imbalance in the central nervous senses. Central. Now, why do they say central? I don't know. But maybe somebody upstairs is telling them to use the word central. Okay? That's right. It, it's the central part. Yeah, it's the spine. They call it the spine. That's right. That's right. Now, he was there. He was there. Do you remember? And when he was looking at the movie, don't you cry sometimes in a movie? What are you crying? I mean, come on. I know there's this, there's this wonderful, beautiful actor and, you know, he's having troubles now. Have you saw Gone with the Wind when I was a little kid because I, I was incarnated in the South as, a, as one of those fathers that now have their beautiful graves as a visiting site. That's all that's left of the community, right? Grave sites. Wherever you want to find Sfardim, go to the graves. So that's where I was. And, and uh, of course, I never realized, whenever I saw Gone with the Wind, oh, how depressed I was. What are you getting depressed about? You know, First of all, it's all over with, right? It's not happening today. I mean, why should, I, why should one be affected? So, you know, and then who's playing the part, you know, Clark Gable? And, and you know, it's, it's depressing, right? They're burning down a city. So burning down a city. I mean, why should that be depressing? But it is depressing. But, and we start to cry sometimes. We see movies. I mean, don't we ask ourselves, why are we crying? <laughs> it's only a movie. It's only a movie. But where do we get moved? That's why it's called movie, right? <laughs> okay. We identify with it. What? We identify with it. That's right. Well, how do you identify with it? I mean, this is not your life. Maybe you know that it, maybe in a certain aspect where you are affected, where you are affected, it is your life. In other words, in other words, you have your life, and yet there is another part to you that is also your life, and you're not even aware of. Maybe, and when you cry, it's not everybody cries at Gone with the Wind. Not everybody cries. Well, just cry at this movie or or other conditions. Not everybody cries at the same time, right? <laughs> Some laugh at the same thing as some cry at the same thing. So you can't say that, you know, it's just a movie. But because we identify with another aspect of ourselves, which is not in reality. But the truth of the matter is, that is reality. And why, for any logical reason, would would we be crying is because we identify with that. That we were there in that situation. 
or that we are there in that situation. We are there. While on the surface it doesn't appear so, but that we are there. When he saw, when he saw himself still in prison, he realized that the cosmic structure of the two triads did not become a reality. He felt bad. Not that, not that he was, he, he felt bad meaning he was depressed, but it's like when we see a movie. Do you become depressed? You see a movie? You, when you walk out, you say, I cried, I felt bad, but is my life being affected by that movie? Let's face it. Are we affected? For a moment. For a moment to capture, we identify with that. That's what it means here. He saw, he saw that the time did not come. He was, the, 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 it was being stretched out. Whereas, if the cosmos had dictated he was taking, taken out of, uh, of prison, the process would begin already. He would become the, the, uh, second in command and whatever happened afterwards. He was looking at things moving in slow motion. Maybe it was a slow motion movie he was looking at. That's a possibility. And he saw the slow motion, and that bothered him. Meaning, let it, let it come to a head. Let it come to a head. Rather than suffer the pain and agony of a drawn-out affair. That's, that's what he was. He was concerned because the central column still did not come into play. Alright, that takes care of that. Now... I also mentioned at the beginning that this weekly portion of Miketz, which has so much, so much more of a mystery to it, but really, if you, find, if you look into whatever happened here with the, with the uh, dream of Pharaoh, the seven count, oh, this is all in chapter 41, the, uh, he first saw seven beautiful, healthy cows, and then he saw seven... Uh, lean cows and the lean cows uh, consumed, devoured the, the healthy cows and that's the end of the dream but when he repeats it he says they devoured them and they remained as le- uh, unsa- uh, unsatiated as lean cows right so we know what that means he explains it that the lean years uh, the good years, uh, the uh, the seven cows that were healthy and and, and uh, looked looked full, were the seven years that would have abundance, and then the seven lean cows would have that idea of hunger, starvation, no food. This is the way he interpreted, and therefore he told Pharaoh. Let, look, let's prepare ourselves for the lean years, and this is let's ingather so that we'd have enough food for those seven years. But when Pharaoh repeats the dream, he adds something that he did not see in his dream. And let me quote for you. It says here. And behold, seven, uh, behold, seven uh, uh, well-favored and fat-fleshed, and they fed and reed grass, and, and seven others came up after them, ill-favored, lean-fleshed. And the ill-favored and lean-fleshed ate up the seven well-fed, favored, and that's the end of the dream. Here, and that was in that is in uh, verse four. 
now of chapter 41. Now in verse 20 of chapter 41, it says the same thing. But it, he then completes, it says, and when they had eaten them up, it could not be known that they had eaten them, but they were still ill-favored as at the beginning. So I woke. Here, it doesn't, he didn't see that. Or, the verse does not describe the dream of Pharaoh as you couldn't tell anymore. That they had eaten, you know, that they were, they should have been better bred, uh, looked better. No. When he tells it to Joseph, when he tells it to Joseph, he adds, you couldn't even tell that, the, that they had eaten anything. They remained in that exact condition as if they had never eaten at all. He adds this to Joseph. I mentioned that this parsha always comes out during Hanukkah. Now, just as we have learned that the cosmos dictate, the cosmos dictate cosmic events. It is not the events as we see them, like Hanukkah, that we celebrate it as a form of tradition, Purim as a form of tradition, because the Jews were saved in both instances, but rather, when we are participating in this holiday, we light the candles, not because the Jews were victorious, not because they found a vial of oil, not because of the miracle that the oil lasted eight days. That doesn't interest us. Those are only the code preparations for understanding what the cosmos were about and how we can tap that kind of energy that appears in this particular period. We are not concerned. Tradition, as we know from a Kabbalistic point of view, has no, no presence, no presence in any uh, of, the, of the holidays described in the, in the Torah. When did these two significant holidays that are not mentioned uh, or are not revealed openly in the Torah is Hanukkah and Purim. Now, from what we have learned, we will understand why Miketz, from a cosmic point of view, indicates exactly what Hanukkah and what Purim is about in relation to what we discussed this evening. If you know the, the calendar... It begins from Rosh Hashanah, not the calendar, but this section of six months, meaning from Tishrei, from Rosh Hashanah, you have three months, which are Tishrei, Cheshvan, and Kislev, or Libra, Scorpio, and Sagittarius. Sagittarius is the third month of this, this cosmic section of the year. Sagittarius is the third month. What does that indicate to us immediately? Central column. You then go on to the next group of three, which is Capricorn, Aquarius, and Pisces. Pisces, again, is the third month. Now, is it any coincidence that poor Mechanica happened in these two central column months? The answer is, of course not. It was not by chance. The cosmos dictated it. And the structure of the holidays are indicated in exactly what we discussed this evening. 
Maybe you don't see immediately the connection, but there it is. What happened on Hanukkah? What happened on Hanukkah? We read of a story that didn't affect any Jews at all. Didn't affect the Jews. Yeah, this fellow Antiochus, he, what did he want? Look, bow down to an idol, bow down to the, bring the pig for a, for a sacrifice. But he never threatened the Jews with extermination. Never. Never. Yes, it's on now? Okay. Oh, I thought I could have relieved myself and just let me listen to the program. No? Okay. No luck. All right. Okay. We see, we see a holiday that has a completely mystical attitude attached to this holiday. Lighting of candles. The people were not involved. In fact, it was the high priest. Why is that? Because in the cosmos, the third month of this sixth group, which again means the Magen David, deals with the upper triad. Deals with the upper triad. It does not come down to the nitty-gritty. It's all in a potential state. All in a potential state. In fact, we know that Purim, Purim, in a chronological order, preceded, preceded Hanukkah, the event of Hanukkah. And yet, from a cosmic level, it is not correct. If Sagittarius came first, and it did come first, it preceded Pisces, that means whatever happened and whatever was structured within Sagittarius happened before, before Right? Before whatever happened in Pisces. And yet, here it came out that the holidays, the success of the Jews in both cases, one precedes the other. Purim, which preceded Hanukkah, comes after, comes after Hanukkah. To indicate to us that the potential state the potential state will always proceed the actual state, as we discussed today in Miketz. This is the way the cosmos operates. You can't change that order. What we find in Hanukkah is things done in a very potential state. But that doesn't mean with that we can, we can reap success or we can be free and etc. No. It requires the second state that injects, in other words, the Sfirat Yesod, or in this case Pisces, of which Joseph rules over. That case was the actual case. So, when we see the people involved in the holiday, that refers to where? Poor. There was the action 
that was developed by the people. Insofar as Connacht is concerned, we know there was a star of the show called Matityahu, the high priest. He, as in fact the Ari says very clearly, he prepared the whole holiday for the Jews at that time. He prepared, what does it mean he prepared? He revealed, he revealed at that point the effect, the power of Sagittarius, which is the level of Bina, if you, I don't want to go through the, the, uh, the uh, study of Kanukah at this, point, at this point, but he made manifest. He was a chariot in a sense. He reproduced the event that was destined from the time of Genesis. Kanukah was created when Sagittarius was created. And it was in a potential form. Therefore, Hanukkah is not referred to as the, the holiday of Mashiach. Hanukkah is not referred to as the Hanukkah. To your disappointment? No. Because without... No, because, he's because he's Sagittarius. Maybe he wants... You know. Because Purim is the, final, it's the only holiday we celebrate in the time of Mashiach. The That's holiday. right. It is, uh, the only, it is the only holiday, meaning why is it the only holiday? Because it means the culmination. You see, because... In the upper triad, you can still have the problem of shikha. You can still have the problem of it never becoming manifest. While Hanukkah became manifest, it was no guarantee that the Jew would do the job during Purim. Fortunately, it did become manifest. The aspect of Mashiach is here. It is only here for those who recognize the Azoric interpretation of what Purim is about. The only ones who understand that I think are the Persians, even though they don't study Kabbalah. But they, they understand Mashiach already came, therefore, what do you need mitzvot? What do you need anything? They're a little ahead of their time. Yeah, no, yeah, you talk to the Persians about religion, nothing, no more mitzvot, no tzedakah, no tefillin, no nothing really. Not necessary. Not necessary. Maybe they're right. I don't know. Maybe. Just a direct connection. What? Just a direct connection. So, Purim is, is, even though it, it happened first in history, uh, it's really the, uh, the actual state as opposed to the potential because that's the final point which is which of the of the David because that is your sword. And therefore, Joseph, who is the chariot for Pisces? Who is the chariot for Pisces? Joseph. He is the one that makes things, ideas, become actual, come into fruition. What? Pisces is water. Okay. Yes, yes. Although, you know, the Pisces are those who uh, like things to be very comfortable. And, and they're right. They, they actually are right, the Pisces. They don't like too much movement and action. They're right. Because what is water? Chesed. It's the ultimate already when things are calm and Mashiach is here already. So now you know why Pisces are not movers unless they really, you know, rise above it. Uh, yeah. Uh, the Hanukkah is on the lower triad, and the Purim is in the higher. No, triad. the opposite. No, I know this is what you. Explain. But but we might we might misinterpret that fact because they both because Purim preceded. So wouldn't you say that 
is on uh, is on a, an upper level, and not right? Way of, because the Joseph was connected to not the Joseph, the Hanukkah is connected to Yisod. No, uh, to Hod. to Hod, which is Lord higher, 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 higher. 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 Hod, remember, was Aaron, the high priest, who became what? Chesed. Hod. I thought it was the. the no. Chesed or Yisod. You had Netzach. Hod and Yisod, Yisod lower. 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 But Yisod is lower than Hod. And this is what the Zohar says: that if you study conventional astrology, you really get you're really mixed up, because all of the factors don't seem to fit the picture. I, you know, Hanukkah being of the upper triad, yet it happened later. But this is the significance. From Genesis on, Hanukkah represented the upper tribe. Therefore, there was very little action and, in fact, very little participation on the part of the people who are in the realm of Malchut. Along comes Purim, and there you have the participation of the people, meaning, unfortunately, from both sides, the act of exterminating the people and the act of Gula from the point of view of the people who initiated the Malchut rose to the Yesod. Whereas Hanukkah was the kind of preparing, the preparation. Even though in time, space, and motion, when did Hanukkah come? Afterwards, right? But that's in the illusionary aspect of time, space, and motion. Therefore, there is a rule in the Talmud, Ein Mugdam Umucha B'Torah. There is no first, second, and third. No chronological order. This used to bother me to no end. What do you mean there's no chronological order in the Torah? Doesn't the Torah discuss a, 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 a chronological history. history here of the Jews? It says, Oh, you can find something mentioned later on that really belongs before. How do you understand that? Because there are two realms. The confusing realm is the realm of the illusionary reality. There things seem to come first. And things like we do sometimes, we're ahead of our time, or sometimes we do things before we, we, we act out something that should have first been thought about. And we also confuse our, our thinking process. That's only in an illusionary word. The Torah deals with an illusionary word. But on another level, the cosmic level, what came first? Hanukkah came first. What came first? The potential. The potential. The re- reality realm that is known as the real reality realm always proceeds. Therefore, Hanukkah is first. Even though in this chronological order of history, it seems that history dictates that it followed. So how could it be before? But it's no kind. Yes, Kai. Uh, could there be a uh, connection? We have Yosef, who is the son that was born. Uh, Moshe and Aharon were born later. Yes. Uh, I mean, yes. Yes. Also, that's why that's the difference between the uh, Ashkenazim and the Sfardim uh, on Sukkot. The Ashkenazim say that the uh, the sequence of events of Sukkot is um, uh, Abraham, Yitzhak, Yaakov, and it must be Yosef, Moshe, Aaron. And what a terrible mistake they're making! Even they count Sfira. You know, they count Sfira. Yeah. They should have changed the whole system in the Sfira, because in the Sfira, it's Chesed Kvurah Teferet, Nesachod Yisod Malchut. So what happens on Sukkot? There's another 
system for Shpirot. All right, that's the contradiction. Yeah, if I can go back to Shikha, before the, I was mentioning that the uh, magician uh, creates an illusion where the Empire State Building uh, disappeared, or the... But what he did was to create within everybody to bring about that power of Shikha. That is correct. And that brings like a blank within everybody. Right. So how come we still have... We still see other things, or they, these people saw other things. Wait, wait, meaning, wait. meaning, he just brought it <coughs> towards this the liberty, the statue of liberty. For a moment, he can create an illusion. illusion. Yes, but if it's an illusion, that means I won't be able to see anything. No, not just well, no, not just oh, that no, liberty, no, the statue no, of liberty. No. There are. That's according to the Zohar. There are infinite forces of shikha. There is a force, and I can forget where the where the um, where the string is. And remember, the package is here. There is not a total blank out. There is that force that blanks out whatever it wants to blank out. Therefore, it's in control. Whatever for whatever reason, there should be a blank out. We see five percent. The ninety-five is blanking out. Okay. Yes, Shimon. Hadam Yesod was first born Nesach and Hod. Yeah. What? Hadam Yesod. You know. You mean no? Yosef was born Yesod. But not the Sfirah in, in, in Genesis 1, that's where the real reality came into existence. What came first? Nesach, Hod, and then Yesod. But in this illusionary world, it gets mixed up like the eye. You know how we see First we see it upside down, and then it works itself out. In the upper, in the upper three, it, it's in, in perfect... Order, Yaakov, you know, Abraham, Yaakov, and the other ones, it's already in the illusionary world, so it can be, can be, it can be twisted, yeah, into a mirror. Yes. One, one final question, and I don't know if we can get. Which Yosef is the one that makes the restriction? The one in the movie, or the one that watches it? The one that watches it. The one in the movie does not make it, because the one in the movie is not real. <laughs> movies are not real <laughs> yeah, but they look like they're real was he doing it in a metaphysical restriction he did it in a metaphysical way no no that part of Yosef remember we said there's two parts to Yosef right. the there's the metaphysical part and the illusionary, the illusionary part the illusionary part is part of the movie but maybe you made the restriction in the first place and didn't tell his brothers about the dream <clears throat> then they may have had God that's a good observation Good observation. Maybe. Karen Maybe. says that. Maybe. Joseph had made a description, right? In other words, he had to tell his brothers and he dreamt that they're going to bow to him and he's going to be a great man. Had he not told them his dream, restricted himself... Maybe the whole Geula wouldn't have had to happen. Maybe the the sequence of events as they took place because they may not changed. have to happen. But they, they were looking for Tikkun, so they, they, they were looking for Tikkun. But we know that Tikkun could take itself. Why couldn't he have gone down to uh, Right, it didn't have to take 210 years. It could have taken three months, two two days. And besides, and all, couldn't and all he that. have sent him all the food to But they were not all the souls. But not all the souls that had to do that were present. Oh, but they could, uh, but he could speed up the process and make them all, that's what the Persians wanted did. to do in Persia. No, no, they, they wanted to bring down all the souls as quickly as possible, but that couldn't but happen. the Jews in Egypt, the, 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 the women were giving birth to five and six and seven children. That was the reason. To speed up the process. That's right. So they did. But Karen is saying, maybe if Joseph had restricted and not mentioned to them 
the dreams that he instigated them by revealing the dreams that they would ultimately bow down to him and so forth and so on. Had he restricted and not revealed that, maybe he would have speeded up the process.